the Steelers Blitz on SNR via the magic of Zoom here today on a snow day in western Pennsylvania. Wesley Guler, Arthur Motes. But you know what? We're keeping it standard here on the Blitz. It's our buddy Brian Backo, kind enough to join us. We remixed it a little bit. Mr. Backo normally joins us this time on Thursdays throughout the season. And now in the offseason, Monday, Wednesday, Friday show. So it's Friday at 1230. And uh, Brian is kind enough to be joining us from fabulous Las Vegas out there covering the Pro Bowl for the PG. What's up, cousin? How's uh, how's the weather out there in Nevada? It's actually pretty frigid, guys. I'm not going to lie. I don't, I, don't know if we've touched, I don't know if we've touched 60 all week. I've been here since Tuesday, but I, I guess with, with what you guys are getting back in Pittsburgh, with <laughs> what the Senior Bowl got down in Mobile, I really I can't complain or else somebody might uh, might get mad at me and I wouldn't even be able to blame them. Yeah, I know Fair enough uh, about this. Yeah, I know some of the people got stuck at the Senior Bowl trying to get home right now. That's that's no fun. It's it's dry and sunny here, so I mean we're playing with house money, and that's a Vegas pun. <laughs> there he is, there he is, Motsi. We want to you want to do some ju- you want to finish up this juju stuff before we hop. Yeah, into man. Flores? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I guess for me, uh, first starting out with Mister Batco, the juju comments about the wooden lockers. <laughs> Just in, in, in all seriousness, do you think that that is something that this team might need to spice up a little bit, knowing that free agency, uh, you know, is becoming more of a pressing thing uh, with today's NFL now? Uh, I don't know, Moats. I mean, it's something that never really occurred to me when I used to be in the Steelers locker room a couple years ago. But I guess, you know, you look around the league and you've got all these state-of-the-art facilities being built and Maybe that's kind of a trickle up from college football where you've got, you know, the schools with what look like space pods in their locker room. Right, seriously. All all sorts of uh, over-the-top stuff, right? But, I I mean, the Steelers as an organization in a a lot of respects are kind of old school. Um, You know, we know that they don't have as many coaches on staff as a lot of these teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, They prefer to do things kind of the old-fashioned way, but you got to strike that balance of, uh, keeping your your longtime organizational core values and kind of keeping the focus on football versus keeping up with the Joneses. So mm. uh, that was an interesting, uh, and literally in this case, right? I was about to say, I see, um, I see the pun you got going on right now. Yeah, that one was unintentional. <laughs> uh, unlike my playing with house money one earlier. But no, I just think uh, it's it's something that it, it reminds me of the music thing that we were discussing last season with mm, Chase Claypool yeah. bringing up that he'd love to have more music blare and at practice and it's it's something that he had in college and the Steelers we we know aren't going to budge on that um you know this is a little bit different more about personal comfort uh in your workspace but uh yeah that was out of left field from Juju did not expect to hear that and um I don't know that it would be one of those things where the Steelers say okay well now we don't want this guy around but uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it is another uh I guess piece of the puzzle as we try to assess what's going to happen with him in free agency yeah, in that vein, you know, Moats I think said it well in our in our first segment that, you know, yeah, it's it's a little tongue in cheek. There's some joking there, but every joke there's some truth. Is it is it is it assuming too much, Brian, that Juju wouldn't have said something like that if he thought there was any chance that he was coming back? Um, I, I don't know that Juju thinks about it that deeply, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I mean, even think back to this time last year, right? Like he was posting some what seemed like pretty heartfelt farewell messages on social media. And and I think even at that time, he didn't expect that he would be back. And and there was the goofiness of him playing in, what was it? He was playing um, 
was it Fortnite or something on Twitch? Yeah. He was wearing, wearing other jerseys. Yeah. Jerseys. Yeah. And, and, and what would we have said back then, fellas? Like, oh, this this means that he's probably not going to want to come back here now, right? Like, he's doing this because uh, he, he's not expecting to be a stealer. And what happened? He, he was a stealer again. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's just one of those uh, weird things I was not expecting to see make headlines the other day. And, you know, hey, it's almost reminiscent, too, of, Steelers going out to St. Vincent for training camp, right? They're one of the last stalwarts yeah. that, that like to really hunker down and uh, and cut off the outside world when they go to camp. And, you know, that's fallen by the wayside too the last couple of years for extenuating circumstances. But uh, certainly interesting that, that players are uh, kind of voicing their opinions on this. And, and I'd say at some point it'd, it'd be something that would be nice to ask some other guys about, get their reactions. Maybe I can do that Pro Bowl weekend out here in Vegas. This is true. This is definitely true. Now, another thing that Juju has said was that he was more than likely leaning towards or, or looking towards uh, testing the free agency market. Um, with that, how do you feel in terms of the Steelers? Uh, is he a guy that you would want to try to retain or is he a guy that you're OK with allowing him to test the market to see what it is? I think I'd be OK with letting him test uh, the way they were using him last year wasn't really inspiring too much confidence in you even before (laughs) his injury. And and maybe that's no fault of Juju. Maybe it's just not the right fit with what Matt Canada uh, wanted or wants to do on offense. And and the thing, the biggest thing though, for me guys, beyond all that is I just think receiver is a position now where you can find guys in the draft who are ready to plug in right away. And it wasn't always that way. I mean, that, that used to be one of those spots where, it was tough to make an immediate impact. I mean, you, you had yeah. to learn a lot about the NFL game, but now I think passing concepts and offensive schemes are so similar from college to the pros that and you look at Pittsburgh, you've, you've got literally a, a longtime college uh, offensive yeah. coordinator running things for you. So uh, whether it's a third rounder, fourth rounder, I mean, we've seen the Steelers have success in the sixth round finding wide receivers. I, I think you can replace Juju with a cheaper option and it's, it's all about weighing that value, which is what Steelers will have to do. Juju will have to do. And uh, I think just in the end, it's, it's going to result in, in him being elsewhere and them trying to find a, a new number three. Whew. Always a lot to get to with our buddy Brian Backo. He is with us here on the Steelers Blitz of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, live from Las Vegas. Uh, Mr. Backo, our last show, we spent the majority of the show uh, discussing the – fallout of the Brian Flores situation, everything that transpired with the Bill Belichick text message, um, you know, reports of, of things that had happened uh, previously with the Denver Broncos as well too. a whole lot there allegations of tanking or incentivizing losing football games, maybe to put it, put it, you know, the, the legal way um, before we get into some of these specifics, just your original reaction, you know, there's been some time to digest where are you sitting with all of this and what's maybe kind of been some of the, the vibe that you've heard from other NFL people out there in Vegas? Man, Wes, as you would probably expect in, in you too, Motes, the vibe that I get from just kind of overhearing conversations here, because there were a lot of NFL uh, assistants in town for the sure. East-West Shrine Bowl, uh, which was played last night at Allegiant Stadium. Of course, people are talking about it. It's being discussed. You know, they're touching on it amongst each other. I'm sure picking each other's brains. What do they think? Uh, but nobody's going to really comment on this publicly. I mean, who, who are you seeing uh, kind of making stands? It's, it's Marvin Lewis, who's no longer in the NFL game. It's Hugh Jackson, who's no longer in the NFL game. I, I really just get the feeling that 
there's there's only 32 teams there's only what 15 to 20 coaching spots at most in in each organization and pretty much everybody in football who does this for a living they they want to get to this level they want to stay at this level or they want to rise up at this level and they're not going to really say anything to jeopardize that you know right or wrong for better or worse especially when we don't know all the facts just yet I think everybody would acknowledge that the the diversity um, in, in the hiring processes remains a work in progress, but um, that that's just what made the Flores thing such a bombshell is because this is a guy who still has aspirations of coaching yeah. in the league, and that didn't deter him uh, from, from kind of going kamikaze a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, everybody uh, are assembled here is very, very eager to see what details come out and what the fallout is. Now, Mr. Becker, were you a little surprised also, though, that um, I believe it was Terrell Austin's agent actually came out and spoke on his behalf as well, talking about sham interviews that he had also participated in, especially with him still currently being on the staff in Pittsburgh? No, I wasn't too surprised because he did uh, he, he did an interview last season with Will Graves of the, the AP here in Pittsburgh where he, he kind of touched on some of that and, you know, he obviously didn't uh, didn't take it to quite the lengths or the measures that, that Brian Flores did and no legal action, although it looks like that could change. And, and when I talked to a couple, um, you know, le- legal analysts and, and attorneys who have studied the Rooney role extensively earlier this week, I mean, that, that was kind of the big question that they have looking toward the future is how many assistant coaches are going to join this uh, lawsuit that was filed as a class action, which you know, invites other people to, to kind of right. um, put you know, the name on it with yeah. Yeah. right. How many are going to do that? Which ones will do that? Will they be big names? Will they be people who, um, you know, maybe their, their NFL careers are kind of dwindling. So um, it's, it's going to be uh, intriguing to watch play out. Although as uh, my colleague, Ron cook uh, wrote in a column, I'm not sure if it's up on the post because that website yet, it's isn't there always some sort of controversy <laughs> facing the NFL and, and what happens to the league? The league moves always. on. Um, always. The, the money never stops printing. So we'll see what happens with this one specifically. So, and, and I'm glad you went there actually, because that transitions perfectly to what I wanted to ask next. You know, a, a lot of these incidents that you reference that the league has been able to face the music for a couple of weeks. Next thing happens, they move on. Right. I mean, I'm talking everything from Colin Kaepernick and, the John Gruden emails and the Washington football team situation with Dan Snyder and the front office stuff. The one thing that's different to me about this, Mr. Backo, because Moats and I laughed on Wednesday. We were like, yeah, hey, you know, the NFL, they don't care about racism. They'll just make the end racism in the end zones bigger <laughs> and they'll keep it moving. The allegations of an owner or owners bribing their coach to lose games when you consider the scope of sports gambling and the monetary value of that that is attached to the National Football League, every league, but the NFL as well too, and that word that we always come back to, integrity, this to me feels harder with that attached to sweep under the rug because the next time you sit down with DraftKings or with FanDuel or with Fox Bet or whoever, MGM, and, and you're asking for $500 million to be the official sports book of the NFL – that I think gets more difficult or you at least have to answer questions about your owners potentially bribing coaches with games that have millions of dollars wagered on them. Do do you see that as a bigger sticking point, something that's harder to sweep under the rug? Or do you think that just, you know, it's the shield, they'll find a way to survive it. That money will keep flowing. I lean toward the latter. I mean, it's, it's definitely as, as Cam Hayward 
told me yesterday, a horrible look for the league if this is proven true because it's just so blatant, right? I mean, it's just such a brazen um, attempt at tanking if these allegations yeah. are uh, proven to be true. Because, I mean, I, I think the, the sports gambling part of it, like, I mean, people placing those bets, Wes, like they, they know which teams are good, which teams are probably, you know, a year away sure, from being sure. a year away. Um, I, I think it's more about, you know, what that says to your fan base. And, you know, uh, you know, Dolphins fans in 2019, I'm sure they were realistic about it too. Maybe some of them even wanted them to lose games so they could get that number <laughs> one pick. Same thing with the Browns uh, a few years back. And, you know, the Browns have kind of turned it around as an organization in large part because of the players they got with that valuable draft capital. But to, to see it kind of come, uh, you know, the, the call coming from inside the house, if you will, in this case is uh, not something that, that the shield can, can sit idly by and, and let happen. Um, you know, they've, they've got to investigate it reportedly they will. And it, it's also kind of goes hand in hand with some of the insight I got from people on the, the Rooney role. It's, it's not that, the Rooney role itself is is a bad role or, or doesn't work or is a failure. It's that the league has to enforce it if they want it to do what it was designed to do. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to be the same thing, I think, with this uh, tanking investigation. You know, if, if they levy a fine or something like that, you know, what, what would Stephen Ross care? But if they start docking draft picks or, or going mm-hmm. down that road, now now you are speaking their language and yeah. putting some teeth into what you actually want to uh, to enforce. Yeah, I, I agree right there. Um, and I'm glad you actually brought up the Rooney rule as well, because a year ago they amended it, right? Where they incentivize the development of minorities for organization in the sense of, hey, if you bring a guy in, develop him, he takes a head coaching job somewhere else, or he takes an executive so- uh, job somewhere else, you will receive, I think it's a third round draft pick. So I like the fact that they incentivize the cultivation and development of minorities, but I think that they only got it halfway right. I feel like they also need to incentivize the hiring of them as well in the sense of why not allow whether it is an additional draft pick to the organization that's actually bringing in that minority candidate as a head coach or as an executive. Why not potentially flirt with adjusting the salary cap for teams that are hiring minorities in those head coaching and executive uh, areas as well to put more of an emphasis on that. Because right now I think it just highlights developing these guys, but it really doesn't highlight or make you want to bring in a guy because obviously the benefits of that development are a year or two away. Whereas in this sense, what I'm bringing up right now, you could get that in a short term effect and feel more of a, knee jerk yo i feel like i got something good out of this decision and i think we we even discussed that uh what was it last year that they expanded that and put in these um measures and we did call them half measures because here's the thing i never really understood about it we know how obsessed everybody in this league is with competitive balance and getting that competitive Mm -hmm. advantage the winning edge so just hypothetically if you're a team in the nfc north and you're looking at potentially a new GM from another team in the NFC North, why do you want additional draft picks going to that team? You know, right. if, if I, I understand that, you know, you got yeah. a bigger picture than that and you want the right. But guy, like, why, but, why would I bring him in? I, I'm with you hundred percent. Cause you're helping yeah. opposition. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's a tiebreaker in a decision, um, then, a then yeah, point. why would you, yeah. um, why hire a minority from a team that's maybe, competing with you for a playoff spot or a division title every single year 
in in, in, in the same uh, stroke, you give them two draft picks with which. Yeah, it's like they reverse engineered it. They, they thought about it in reverse order in terms of, oh, let's incentivize the development versus the hiring. It's like, no, no, no. Great idea, but flip it. <laughs> Yeah. And, and people would push back about that, too. I mean, if it was as, yeah. as simple as, hey, you uh, if you hire a, a minority head coach or, or a minority, but, but, but this is my a third round pick. People but think about this, though. Like but that. but I don't have an issue with people not liking it because this is a product of what? What the owners and what the executives have allowed this is a product of what fans have allowed, because for the longest time, fans haven't had, you know, they haven't been not tuning in or voicing their displeasure with the hiring process. So you can't just, oh, well, this isn't fair. We shouldn't have done it before. Why we got to do it now? It's like, no, this is what happens when you continue to have the same issue pop up over and over and over again. You make amendments. And then when it still occurs after the amendments, now you have to take even more action. So even though I think that it would, you know, it would ruffle some feathers, I do think at the same time it would probably generate a lot more results that are tangible and that people can actually see and feel. Whereas right now it's the contrary. Yeah. And if they did take you up on your suggestion, for instance, then it becomes a point where of, hey, okay, you think Josh McDaniels is the right guy for the job? How much is that worth to you? you know? Absolutely. If, Prove if, if it. Yeah. The, if, if if Doug Peterson's the guy that's going to get you turned around, what do you need an extra draft pick right. for? Mm. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's certainly an intriguing point and, and a good idea. And we'll see if the NFL uh, kind of uh, takes you up on that most. Maybe you'll get one hey, of man, we'll see, man. in the league office. No, no, no. I don't want one of those. That, 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 that's, that's too much work for me they right there. You, they can't. won't let you work from home. <laughs> not, not at all. They, they'll be over here. Oh, it's weather? I don't care. Be here on time. I don't, I don't want that life. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be wearing a suit instead of a Bills hoodie right now. That's oh, right. That's right. wow. Oh, that's crazy. Listen, I cannot confirm nor deny <laughs> the accuracy of that allegation right there, okay? <laughs> Brian back over the post gazette with us here. Last one I got for you, buddy, on this because a few minutes ago you mentioned, I believe the word you used was the enforcement of this. Yeah. You know, that was on Wednesday. We had the phone lines open. We took some calls on this. And a lot of people said, make these interviews more transparent from a, a lot of different ways. You know, just have a third party present, have, you know, some kind of arbitrator there. Some people even suggested filming it and those type of things, which Moats and I struck down because we know there's a lot of schematics, a lot of conversations in the context of football. That they Personnel would, related stuff. Yeah, you yeah. can't do that. You, 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 can't, you, yeah. you, can't, you can't release, can't you know, sitting down with Doug Peterson and saying, hey, how do you feel about Trevor Lawrence? Hey, how would you build around Trevor Lawrence? You can't do that. Right. But when, when Although you mentioned- I would, I would like to be a fly on the wall for a nine-hour interview between Jim Harbaugh and the Minnesota Vikings. What the heck happened there? Were they sitting in a golden corral? Or what? <laughs> Seriously, they went, right? They went through the tape of every single Ohio State game and said, how did you Yikes. manage to lose this one? Uh, is, is, is there any realistic way to enforce that without what we just discussed, give, you know, giving away too much schematically in the process? Well, I mean, you have seen NFL teams do something a little bit different over these last few years. I mean, uh, I think it's a relatively new thing for them to kind of put on their own websites. Hey, we've interviewed this person and this person for our head coaching job. We've had a second interview with this person for our general manager job. So there, there's a little bit more transparency as far as that goes. I'm sure some of it is self-serving because uh, the, there are, um, you know, uh, measures that you need to meet uh, to satisfy the Rooney role and, and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I, I don't know if there is much you can do. You, you just kind of have to 
hope that that all 32 teams are um, you know, doing things the right way and, and being doing this in good faith. And, and the one thing that I would just kind of say to, to wrap this up is like, you know, people will, will look at the Jaguars thing and say, well, maybe they just thought that Doug Peterson had a better plan than Byron Leftwich, for instance. Maybe th- th- this is just a case of uh, an individual business who said, we want this guy over this guy because of his merits and his qualifications. Like, that could very well be the case. Maybe that is, but the whole point of it is, is just the, the trend and how many teams uh, are making those decisions. And, you know, somebody like Eric Bieniemy, he's got a little bit of, you know, he's got some question marks in his past. He's got some red flags in his past, but is he even getting the opportunities to kind of explain those things uh, as he, you know, vies for these yeah. jobs? I, I don't know. That's the thing that, um, you know, people are, are wondering out loud more and more and, um, yeah. You know, I'll be very curious to see if Mike Tomlin speaks on this. I don't necessarily think he should feel obligated to. Um, but if he does, uh, I'd, I'd be curious to get his thoughts because he in the past has thrown out names like the enemy, uh, I think, and left which and wondered mm-hmm. why are these on paper qualified guys, um, you know, not <laughs> getting the breaks that, uh, that that some others are. Well, and to address that right there, um one of the things that Terrell Austin's agent brought up was how it's the gift and the curse with the Rooney rule. Um, it gets you into some of these interviews that you probably wouldn't have been allotted to have, but because they're more of the sham variety, you're just accumulating a ton of statistics in terms of, Hey man, he's interviewed for 10 jobs, but he's not getting any of them. And now they say, well, he can't interview well, or, Oh, it's the schematics, or we don't like his plan and all these other false narratives start to develop about a guy where in all actuality is none of those things. It's just, he's going on interviews where they already had their mind made up. So I think of that as well. And that's another thing that I kind of like ask myself is, you know, with a leftwich in this situation, when they're choosing a Doug Peterson over him, did he not interview well? Did they like Doug better? Or was it predetermined that they wanted to go with Doug? Um, Eric Bieniemy is a prime example as well. When you think about the past couple of seasons with him, what are some of the things that we've heard? They say he doesn't interview well. Who can attest or not to that? They say, well, what does he have to do? He has Andy Reid as the head coach and he has Patrick Mahomes as quarterback. Well, we can point to multiple coordinators who are in the exact same position that have went on to get head coaching jobs, both in the recent history and in the long-term history with that and things like that. So that's the only thing, like I said, man, it just makes it, it it just, it keeps making you question. And when you just see this, this long like history of this approach where it's a lack of representation, it's a lack of, you know, just sound hiring in some avenues, like, why do you take a chance on a McDaniels after everything that's happened with McDaniels as a head coach over a guy that doesn't have some of those red flags? And like I said, that's what we keep having to come back to this day, man. But hopefully it gets adjusted. Yeah. And there's so many other factors and tentacles to yeah, it, too. I mean, a, a, lot of is, teams in, a lot of teams in the league want offensive minded head coaches. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, a lot less minority representation among offensive coaches for a number of a multitude of reasons. So, yeah, there, there's just. There's a whole lot to the discussion and didn't necessarily think we'd be having the discussion uh, again here the first week of February. But uh, Brian Flores and, and what he did certainly changed all of that. Mr. Backo, before we let you go, because we appreciate your time here from fabulous Las Vegas. 
I mean, what, what, Las Vegas. What, what, what's, your, what's your move in Vegas? I mean, you got five on red, you got 10 on red. Uh, what are you doing here? You playing a little blackjack? I mean, what's the he, he's high roll. He's high roll a second guarantee. Uh, blackjack and roulette are pretty much uh, oh, mainly yeah. blackjack, a little bit of roulette to switch it up. But um, yeah, that that's pretty much my move in Vegas. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a lot to like about this place. There's a lot to not like when you look at, the price tags on all these tables like guys me I, i'd play for two bucks a hand if they let me I, i'm like at the church festival oh, come on you, know, you gotta just, get the five come on put a fiver on it they don't have that here though is my point man like, no it's, it's, it's like 25 50 i can't even i can't even venmo you five bucks right now for you to throw on red for me that ain't happening if you did that'd be the only five i've got to my name at the moment oh, so go man. ahead and do it <laughs> Backo spending all his money at the buffet. Those fancy <laughs> Vegas buffets. I was about to say, you know, you, I was say, you know, it's high end out there from a culinary perspective as well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that, that's going to be a hefty expense report for your boy, <laughs> Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Make sure you're checking out all of his coverage on everything going on across the NFL. Live at the Pro Bowl, he got the. Ch- how was real quick? How was how was that uh that Death Star that spaceship out there in Vegas? Because you were at the the East West Shrine Bowl last night, right? Yeah, that is a, a cavernous arena. It is, it's hard to fathom just how big yeah. that place is. And I, I don't know how the Raiders writers do it, guys. Like the, Dude, that press nuts. box is 8 million miles above the field. Like I couldn't see, I was watching the game on TV from my seat. Because <laughs> I couldn't wow. see anything that was going on. Even, I guess I got to get better binoculars. But yeah, I mean, that is just a, a monstrosity of a stadium. Um, it, it certainly the most uh, over the top that, that I've ever been to, to, to bring it full circle, maybe Juju, if he gets a, if he gets a look at that, uh, he'll, he'll uh, want to come out to Vegas and play with Derek. Carr. I was going to say, as soon as you land, you can't miss it. It takes up half the interstate. It's nuts, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is massive. Uh, luckily though, I could walk through it from my hotel. So that part was nice. That there we go. Nice. I like nice. it. <laughs> Brian Backo live from fabulous Las Vegas. Kind enough to give us way too much of his time make sure you're showing him love checking out all his work in the pg buddy we appreciate it as always be safe out there safe travels have fun and we'll talk soon my pleasure man we'll see you there he goes brian Bacco of the pittsburgh post gazette we're going to take a break here we'll wrap up the show when we return on the other side it's the steelers blitz on snr <laughs> 